Welcome to the Progress Podcast, Episode 6, Series 1. In this episode, I was joined by Aisha from The Sweetest Tooth. We spoke about her upbringing in Mauritius and its impact on her relationship with the environment and the food growing around us, uh, how she approaches waste within her business, and she even gives us a few takeaways on how we can reduce waste both at home and at work. Let's get into it. Alright guys, welcome to episode 6, I think we're on, of the Progress Podcast. Today, delighted to be joined by Aisha from uh, The Sweetest Tooth. Aisha, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, how are you? Ah, good. We've, we've had a few technical issues, but we've got over them in the end, so uh, it's, uh, it's it's nice to, to finally have a proper catch-up. So, do you want to, kind of, for those who who haven't come across The, the Sweetest Tooth, do you want to kind of give a little bit of insight into the business? Sure. Um, hello everyone, I'm Aisha. So, um, I started The Sweetest Tooth. Uh, I think 2018 as mainly online presence. Um, mid to late 2019, um, the business itself got up and running a bit more. So I'm a mini bakery. I run out of um, a home kitchen, so fully council inspected, but very, very much small scale. Um, so I do a combination of local collections and um, nationwide UK delivery. So previously that was predominantly through Royal Mail. Yeah. At the moment, with sort of COVID and the changing landscape of that, I've been using more courier deliveries. Um, so a little bit of uncertainty around that at the <laughs> beginning. But um, no, we're still doing nationwide delivery. Good, so good. Sweet everyone <laughs> so as i mentioned before we, we've been talking a little a little bit back and forward on on instagram um and you mentioned something that i had a little bit of awareness of i'll be honest but not a huge amount um you mentioned that your business was sort of zero waste um now for the i, I don't mean uneducated lot but i mean for the, for those who aren't aware of what zero waste is fully understanding what it is like for you personally like what is what is the zero waste philosophy? What's what's that to you? So I think for me personally, it's important to try and establish the idea that it's not about being perfectly zero waste. Yeah. It's about a zero waste journey. So running as a business or as an individual in your home, you will never be able to eliminate all plastic. You will never be able to eliminate all food waste. There'll always be a bit here and there. We've all got busy lifestyles. But the idea sort of the central philosophy of it all is trying to be as minimally wasteful as possible. Yeah. So avoiding plastics because they are ruining our planet and we've, you know, there's no planet B. Yeah. Um, so trying to minimize plastic waste, trying to minimize um, non-recyclable uh, packaging and things that I'm buying in, trying to minimize food waste. So any food waste that I do end up having, um, I compost. Um, because I've got my own little allotment going. So all food waste was composted, nothing goes into landfill. Um, and just sort of being like a, a conscious consumer, yeah. I guess, trying to be aware of what you're buying and how that's impacting the world. Yeah. And I, I, when, when, you, when you, you mentioned there, there's a few things. Um, you mentioned stuff going into landfill. Now, for years, you know, we've, we've had a recycle bin for for plastics for cardboard for paper mm. and then we've had just the generic sort of the rest of the the kitchen type of waste now do you think that uh, certainly i know we're talking from a business perspective but from a, a, a household perspective do you think that there could be more mm. done uh, both in education and in sort of services to promote households to waste less food in the house rather than it just be you know sort of consigned to businesses do you think 
Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of it comes down to um, sort of food education as well. Yeah. So it's something that you sort of, when you look into how families are and how busy the lifestyle that we're all living is, it's hard to try and have that awareness of what you're buying in and what you end up throwing yeah. away. But I think people need to realize that there is no such thing as away. When you're yeah. throwing things, it is going somewhere. Yeah. There is no magic away. Now, I think for certain things like leftovers, it's very easy to get a fish and chips. Well, it was a bit big. You only ate half of it. You've got a couple of stale chips left. Well, what yeah. are you going to do with stale chips? They never heat up well anyway. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to think, well, I'll just put it in the bin or I'll put it in the compost or whatever. But with a little bit of food education and sort of creative thinking, which is, I think, where the focus needs to be more now, you can make that into fish cakes. You can make that into potato cakes. You can make yeah. that into starch base of a soup. There's so many things that you can do with stale chips that you yeah. wouldn't want to eat as stale chips. But yeah. it's the idea of seeing it as more than just stale chips. It's yeah. something that could be turned into something completely different. Yeah. And I think um, you, you, you mentioned it there, the, the sort of the education side of it. And you mentioned in your, your point before the sort of the, the environmental impact of things. Now, I think yeah. now more than ever, certainly for, for what's gone on for the last, you know, three or four months, people are now, I think, starting to shift their their mentalities to mm -hmm. look and, you know, the first sort of few months of, of, of this situation, this, this whole pandemic, people started seeing articles online about the air quality is the best it's ever been. So we want more people to ride bikes and go for runs and avoid cars and transport and what have you. So I think people's attitudes towards what, you know, they are physically doing themselves is is impacting the, the, the environment. Now, I didn't realise this, but... And I think there's a um, there was a report on the Fast Company website, I believe, and it said something about the Americans. The Americans now waste seventy percent more food than they did in the nineteen seventies, and food waste is responsible for roughly the same amount of greenhouse gas emis emissions as thirty seven million cars. Like when you when you put it into context like that, like it blows your mind. Like when you realise, as you say there. If one household throws away a bag of chips and what's the the whole street, and then you start to think like, you know, we're all thrown away. We have this attitude of I don't need it anymore. Therefore, I'm I'm going to put it in the bin. That's that's where people's brains, I think, stops. That's where their thought process stops. It's out of my house. It's in the bin. I don't need to care anymore. But it's the process of where it goes from there. As you say, it's going into landfill, and it's just it's creating. It's almost a vicious cycle. Do you know what I mean? It, people are complaining about the environment and the changes, but then little things like this can have a massive impact on on the environment, as you say, just by not throwing away things that you you know or, or, or you would see as waste. I don't know what sort of policies they are at the minute, but is there anything for businesses like any sort of targets or um, any sort of uh, policies or anything like that towards sort of reducing waste within business, or is it just down to the sort of individual? Uh, so I think something worth recognising that there's a growing movement around, particularly in Newcastle and Leeds sort of area, but across the nation as well and across different countries, is more focus on the idea within businesses about when something is past its best before or when something is past its use by, because there is a very big distinction between the two yeah. in that 
something is passed that's used by date, you can't legally sell it. Right. However, if something is passed that's passed before, for instance, um, a loaf of bread, yeah. it might be not as great as if you bought it at the start of the day yeah. or uh, on the very first day. However, it's not to say that you can't use that and turn it into something else. Like we were talking about with chips, just because it's passed its best doesn't mean that it's necessarily uh, resigned to the bin. Yeah. There are a lot of businesses, for instance, in Newcastle, I'm um, aware of too, um, the Magic Hat Cafe um, yeah. is one of the first that comes to mind. And they are very big on the idea of trying to redistribute that sort of food okay. waste, things that would have been seen as um, not sellable, to a consumer, but it shouldn't necessarily be resigned to the bin. Maybe you won't pay full price for it. Yeah. So the idea of pay as you feel, but this idea that somehow products need to be fresh off the press, absolutely. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they're not good enough anymore. Yeah. Is the same reason why we have monumental amounts of food waste when it comes to uh, bananas that are too curvy or too straight or yeah. tomato that aren't perfectly pristine it's this awareness that food isn't something that's purely disposable yeah it's, um, it's funny you, you mentioned that one of the points i was going to bring up was when you mentioned things food especially not being perfectly formed and looking a bit odd my first or one of my first sort of exposures to um to, to thinking about food waste was i don't know if you've seen these when you go into morrison's or I think it may have been Tesco. They have they've branded mm. these things called wonky, and I, I yeah, think, yeah. I think I, do you know, yeah. and like you look at them and you think, well, ah, they look a bit funny, but they still they still taste the same. You can still do exactly the same with them. There's just a, a, a sort of a, a socially unacceptable appearance about a, a misshapen piece of fruit or vegetable, like, and they were selling it for less. Than what you would, you know, for misshapen baked potatoes, what well, they were selling it for less than what they were for perfectly, or what you know, perfectly shaping, and it's exactly the same thing. So that there must be a sort of correlation between what society sees as food, and then in what is actually, you know, it it, it blows my mind to think mm. that somebody would look at something and go, "That's no good." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even even down to things like and and my wife will testify to this. Like I hate wasting money, so if there's something in the house, not so much food necessarily, but if I can reuse something, um, and I think that that's what it boils down to. It's people understanding that whether it's food, whether it's you know it's furniture, whether it's whatever it is, it has other uses, you know, and it's getting people to understand that. Um, you mentioned earlier on when you were talking about sort of how you purchase um, products yourself. Is there a, mm. do you find it difficult to purchase um, produce that is packaged responsibly? Or is there a, you know, because as a consumer, as somebody that, like myself, who doesn't, um, like I, I don't buy wholesale food. I don't, I don't buy for, mm. you know, I just buy what's in the shops. Um, so yeah. in, in, the wholesale market is very different. Is the is the wholesale market sort of coming around to the idea of responsible packaging, or is it still a, a fight? You think that's going to be going on for for years to come? Do you think? Uh, I think it certainly depends on what your uh, priorities as a business are. Yeah. It is possible to try and minimise your waste um, 
sort of as a business, but as an individual as well. Because if we think of Granger Market, for instance, yeah. um, a very readily accessible area within Newcastle that a lot of people in the city do their shopping at, there are two um, bulk stores there. So there are two stores that you can go in uh, with your own Tupperware or your own paper bags or whatever oh, wow. um, and get, get your products without packaging or in the packaging that you've provided in yeah. whatever that you want so it's not just for businesses but um i think it's just sort of about raising that awareness both for businesses and for individuals yeah um do you think that as sort of our generation who thinks about responsible businesses do you think as we uh get a little bit older then the businesses that we buy from will change with us do you think or is it you know like when you say there there's two there's two places in the granger market where you can take your own um uh, storage boxes and, and what have you to avoid that kind of waste do you think they will coming out of this COVID-19 thing do you think and obviously tying in with what I was saying about people's views on the environment do you think we'll see more businesses like that or do you think it'll be a, a longer term um I think we can hope yeah. we can hope um, and what we can do as consumers is try to sort of spend responsibly spend yeah. at the companies who are showing these positive moves but also an awareness of the concept of something that's called greenwashing. So a lot of companies will try and put out um, marketing schemes and things that look on first appearances yeah. very eco-friendly, very um, sort of uh, what the market is looking for. Yes. Whilst when you look at their actual business practices, yes. it doesn't reflect that yeah so they're using um, it solely as, as a marketing tactic yeah. rather than yeah. it's actually a, a policy or a, a part of their culture yeah. so i think of what it comes down to on a consumer level is people if you look at um free range eggs for instance within yeah. the uk um for people who aren't vegan um the british market generally does try and buy free range eggs over caged hen eggs yes. because of sort of ethical impact around that um, and sort of the health and ethical considerations. What we don't as consumers uh, generally look at is whether the baked goods and the products that we're buying are using free-range eggs in yeah. them because there is very limited uh, advertising and marketing around that. So when you're buying a carton of eggs, it says six free-range eggs or 12 yeah, yeah. free-range eggs. Whereas when you're buying a quiche or you're buying um, a pack of cookies, very rarely says whether or not they are using um sort of yeah. ethical uh produce yeah it just says so eggs, i think so, well, yeah. to go forward, uh, in making these sort of more ethical choices it's a bit of a waste so the consumer needs to be aware of what it is that they are buying in order yeah. to be able to sort of influence these businesses to continue that way. But the businesses who are doing these things need to appropriately advertise that they are doing these yeah. things for the consumer to be able to make those educated yeah. choices. Because not everyone's going to go and do sort of years of research to buy a pack of cookies. <laughs> exactly. No, and I, I mean, I can remember the whole sort of the news cycle around free range versus caged hen uh, eggs. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you know, as you say, people start to pay attention to what's on uh, on boxes. Um, do you think, as a society, do you think that we're kind of... It, it is, it's almost quite a lazy mentality, not so much our generation, but I would certainly say the generations above us. Um, 
you know, if the government or if the news come out and suddenly say that, I don't know, um, you know, orange juice from concentrate is uh, contains more sugar than, you know, naturally squeezed orange juice or whatever. Mm. And then, you know, do you think as, as a society there needs to be more education around not doing the the kind of research that you mentioned there, you know, years and years, but yeah. just being a bit yeah. more mindful and spending time, you know, flipping the packet over and looking and actually seeing what's in it. No, no, absolutely. Um, I see what you're getting at. I think that's something that our generation needs to be very careful of is this idea that it's a generational difference because when I, for instance, when I look at my grandparents sort of growing up in Mauritius, um, there wasn't, plastic packaging there wasn't the opportunity to buy palm oil cookies and they didn't have to worry about these things because that wasn't the norm they would go to the bakery in the morning who was someone who lived in the same town as them and made their bread out of real ingredients that morning um and it wasn't necessary to think about those choices whereas now with sort of the global economy and everything it's we, we have a responsibility to be more aware, yeah. but I don't think that we can try and assign blame to those who've grown up without having to function in that way yeah. because it was never a concern. It never needed to be a concern. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, obviously, your Mauritian culture. Do you think that was just embedded in you anyway? When Obviously, when, when, you, when you started up the business, like, you've... you've it, so to you, I guess, it's not really zero waste it's just sort of you doing the right thing do you know what i mean like it's yeah and and like that that probably makes it worse when you you know when you talk about um companies that market themselves as being ethical um Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean because you it's more apparent to you because it's built into your 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 culture your dna your your everything that this is just Mm -hmm. the right way to do it and then it must you know really get on your nerves when you see companies just doing it because it's a buzzword at the minute or because it's going to get them some extra market share or whatever that may be absolutely um i think sort of one thing that i can make a comparison on between sort of the culture that i've um grown up with the influence of um and what i see with more people around sort of this area in newcastle yeah is the idea that there's a distancing between us particularly in our generation actually there's this distancing between us and the environment and the nature around us so we all like to think that we're very eco-friendly and we're very uh reasonable and sort of aware about what we're buying and what we're doing but how many of us every single day will walk past a cherry tree um and go to tasco's buy plastic packaged yeah uh, no that that was something that was something that I, I saw on your Instagram that I, I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned the word foraging, and and for those who, who don't, I mean, I kind of understand what it means, but for those that don't understand, kind of it ties in with what you've just said about walking past a cherry tree. Like, what is that? Like, what is foraging? Like, what what's how does that sort of fold into your your ethos? I suppose. So I think at the moment, it's there's very much a media. Uh, focus on it because it's something that's sort of up and coming and trendy um again like what you were saying about uh what things are natural to me and what things yeah. are marketing shtick i guess yeah yeah um always grown up that it's i mean in my in my grandparents garden um in mauritius my grandfather has trees that are some of the only examples of that type of tree on the whole island and god only oh, wow. knows where he got 
from. Um, <laughs> passed away and we don't even know what they are. So it's a job <laughs> trying to figure out which one is. But sort of that closeness with nature is something that has always been part of me and been part of my family and upbringing. The idea that it's not uh, a strange thing to go and pick cherries from a tree uh, in a park yeah. or sort of comparing back to Mauritius. Um, it's a normal sort of family outing to go out and pick wild guavas yeah. as a family activity. Um, and it's nothing strange and it's nothing that you'll have the police call on you for. It's just <laughs> a thing. That, um, I know that in Bristol a couple of years ago, they tried to outlaw uh, blackberrying. So going really? out to pick blackberries that are growing wild. And you do sort of have to wonder what what the motive on the part of the council is to try and push people away from sort yeah. of the environment. Do you, do you think it's a, it's a, I don't know if ignorance is the right word. I guess it is ignorance is the right word. Do you think it's because they don't fully understand like A, what it is that they're picking Two, if it's legal, so let's just assume that it is anyway. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, I guess it comes down to the, that lack of education that you mentioned before. Is that if they knew that, you know, someone going out and picking berries off a tree, and within I don't know three four weeks, there's going to be more berries grown back, and it's it's. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 I think there needs to be more education because for me personally, when I was a kid, if you saw and I I hung around with a lot of people who would do just that they'd, you know they'd find berries and they'd eat them and I'd, I would sort of look at them completely out of ignorance and kind of go mm. what what are you doing you can't do that that like, surely they're poisonous like but I think it, it, yeah. it, it boils down to a level of I don't know what they are at the time when I was that age I didn't well didn't have the internet so I couldn't go and look whereas kids mm. and people now have access to more resources where they could do that um yeah you know what I mean? Like strawberry picking and all that type of stuff is fine. But then there's, as you've, if, if you, if anyone follows you on Instagram, they'll see the, the sort of plethora of ingredients and produce that is just grown around us that, you know, I, I wouldn't have, a, I would, I wouldn't think twice. I wouldn't look at it. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? It's, 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 and it's, it's, it points to a lack of education um, to say that, well, that, this stuff's grown around us. We can use it. It's free. It doesn't belong to anyone. You know, it's there, it's tasty, it's safe. Why can't we use it? No, absolutely. And and it, I guess it does just fall down to education. So there's a lot of people who run sort of foraging courses and things. I was just on the brink of starting to run foraging courses just before the lockdown. I did oh. a few sort of online ones so people from across the country could join on Facebook Live and I was going through sort of a few different very common wild edibles. Obviously, there is a certain degree of um, awareness that needs to be there you need to know what you're picking yeah um i guess there is a consideration that needs to be made around why it is that children in this generation growing up as compared to children in our parents generation or our grandparents generation why should there be kids nowadays who will look at an apple tree and not recognize that they're apples exactly <laughs> you know, that, that, i mean yeah. Thing to me. I mean, as you said before, if you take that same apple and put it into a plastic wrapper with a cardboard box underneath it and sell it in Morrison's, you wouldn't think twice. You would just go, oh, well, that's an apple. That looks nice. I'll have one of them. But if that was just grown on a tree yeah. outside, then people would be like, oh, God, can I eat that? So, again, it, yeah. when you start yeah. when you start thinking about that, it's mad. how. And to me, it almost seems like 
that was the intention of somebody at some point, whether it was the marketing com you know, the, the way the companies market themselves or whether it was the government or whatever. And I'm not getting into any conspiracy theories here with anything, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like, it, it almost seems like because it just boils down to marketing, which it does really, because if the government came out and launched a campaign about, you know, go and pick your apples and trees and oranges and berries and mushrooms and things like that, then everyone would just go and do it. You know, there's, there's no real sort of, um, uh, desire for people to to want to work well obviously as you say there is it's it's emerging um but yeah. it is a wider society there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of um desire for it uh, which is is quite mm. sad really when you think about it because it would save you an absolute fortune in your weekly shopping <laughs> absolutely absolutely and if we want to go for one very very expensive example so many people are um, willing to go out and pay crazy, stupid, ridiculous money for wild mushroom this and wild mushroom that. Yeah. Um, mushrooms are growing in our woodlands. Obviously, yeah. you need to know what it is that you're picking. Yeah. Um, but if you look over to the continent, you look at the food culture of France and Poland of Lithuania of Germany, all of these countries have a mushroom picking culture. Yeah. And yes, everyone knows everything and you still have to be careful um and know sort of a few basic types that you're comfortable identifying and picking yeah. but why should it be that we ignore them um in the woodlands but go out and pay extortionate amounts of money for and here's an industry secret for you if you ask what wild mushrooms are in these dishes for the most part they're not even wild mushrooms. They are dried, imported, commercially grown mushrooms from sort of the Far East. Um, they're nothing to do with wild anything really? for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, but again, I think that my reaction to that says everything that I've bought in to the marketing of you know the products in the shop and product in restaurants and what have you, and without doing any like fact checking or any sort of research i just you know it, so again i guess in a way <laughs> i guess in a way like there the does need to be more of a um a, a more a continuation really of what you're doing um what you started doing sort of pre-lockdown is 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 people putting content out there saying look there's all this stuff around where it's not going to cost you anything other than your time to go and either learn well i suppose either there's no either but to go and learn what it is you're looking for and what not to look for and, and then go and pick it like and it would still be cheaper than you know going and paying two three pound in sainsbury's for a thing of mushrooms you can go and pick them at cost it take you five minutes do you know what i mean yeah, like, but the whole sort of concept of feed a man a fish and teach a man to fish sort of the idea is yeah yeah you can pay for Course. Exactly. Um, or you can sometimes buy free or reduced ones because again i don't like this idea that foraging should be uh, a trendy middle class activity yeah. uh, only for educated and the well-spoken why should yeah. it be food is there for the people yeah. and we are the people yeah. you know i think people are very um quick to discount our relationship with nature and sort of recognize that we are animals too. We are part yeah. of nature just as much as the birds and everyone else. Yes, yeah, we yeah. can buy our cherries from Tesco's, but those cherries came from a tree at one point too. <laughs> exactly. You're literally paying for somebody yeah. to go and do that and then put them inside of a box and charge you for the, the packaging and the delivery and the transport. 
Well, if you were to do that, if you, th- you think about it, you know, and, and you'll know this yourself, obviously, with looking into packaging and delivery and whatnot. If you were to monetize everything from the worker to pick the, the cherry to washing it, cleaning it, all that stuff, the cost of the packaging, the cost of the wrapping and the pricing and the stickers, and then sticking it into a wagon, ferrying it to the other end of the country or even across the... You 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 add that all of that up. Yes, that's what yeah. you're, that's what you're paying for when you buy your mushrooms or your your berries or whatever. Like, so actually, it it just, it doesn't make when you break it down, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but again, it's and you know until and I'll I'll hold my hand up. You know until we've had this conversation, I hadn't realised the extent of it. I had a a broad. Uh, understanding of what food waste and, and the kind of the intricacies of, of, of it all um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that someone else can can listen to this and hopefully we can get somebody or get as many people as we can to, to come on to your, uh, your foraging courses when we get uh, when we get up and running so I mean going, going back to, to going back to the business the the sweetest tooth day to day what kind of things do you do to sort of um, and I know I'd, I'd positioned this question before you'd said it was more of a, it was ingrained in you rather than it was a philosophy to um, to be zero waste. But day to day, what does that look like in terms of reducing waste in the kitchen? Like what what, what does that look like? Um. So again, like I've said before, an awareness of what it is that you're producing and what it is that you're ending up with. So for yeah. instance, I know that, I don't know if you've seen um, the products on the page. So sometimes I make. Um, sweet orange swifts, which yes, are a yeah, type yeah. of enriched dough. Um, they're, they're sweet bread, um, very rich, but um, they are quite heavy on egg yolks, right? right? So for each batch, I will end up with quite a number of egg whites left over. Okay. And then awareness around, well, if I'm making this, I'm going to have egg whites, so I should make something that uses them rather than waiting until they're expired or just putting them in the bin to begin with it's sort of knowing that if i'm going to make this i'm going to have this much of whatever left over i can repurpose that into something else yeah um that uh packaging packaging is a big one um i try and use only uh packaging that can be composted so um you can't uh recycle packaging that is stained by oil which uh is generally told to people um but you can put them into sort of compost and things like that. So I try and minimize the amount of packaging that I'm using in the first place because not everyone has the capacity for big composting abilities yeah. or any at all. Um, but it's easier to sort of try and uh, consciously get rid of a paper bag than yeah. a big Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and again, it, it all boils down to, which is quite a... a, a, a kind of a current theme uh, between the conversations that I've had over the last couple of weeks it, there seems to be a lack of education like there needs to be like I again when you said mentioned there about the egg whites and the egg yolks like I would never have thought of that if if a packet says you only need the egg yolks then I would just throw the egg whites away I wouldn't think do you know what I mean like it's it's it, like it's actually like uh, it, it's blown my mind to think that the so and I'm think I'm sitting here thinking God I did that last week as well and I did that last week you know and like yeah. there's such a um a gap so I guess in a way which is a good thing for you I guess because if you're educating people on you know using um less and throwing away less 
just there needs to be somebody you know like yourself who comes out and just says right this is this is what it is this is what um being an ethical a genuinely ethical business is this is what it looks like you can go and apply these sort of the same philosophies to to your business and then start to see more and more people realizing that actually if you're going to complain about the environment and what's going on there's so many things that you can do like there's people seem to think that if i don't take the car take the bike then that's doing enough it's really not like you know food waste in the home energy waste in the home energy waste at work like there's just so it's such a big thing and i think people don't really fully get it they don't fully understand the magnitude of what they're doing but also the magnitude of stuff that they can actually do to to help the situation um so just before we uh just before we wrap up what would you say like not just to food businesses but to businesses in general what would be the sort of the best advice you could give them moving forward to to sort of to be as zero waste or to reduce the amount of waste in their day-to-day business operations like what would you say would be some good advice to to people wanting to do that um i think good advice in terms of businesses reducing waste but good advice in terms of changing any habits in life in <laughs> general not to get too philosophical around it yeah but uh, just get started just yeah. try and do it you will mess up. There will be times that you forget to use the egg whites and they end up going in the bin. There will be times that you buy the wrong packaging by accident because you clicked on the wrong one or uh, you tried to buy this from a company and they ended up sending you the wrong thing. But as long as you get the ball rolling and you get it started, you are making steps in the right direction. There is so much out there on social media and Instagram and Facebook about perfection in everything yeah. you're doing. You're seeing zero waste influencers with a tiny jar and they're like, this is all the waste I produce all year. And that is perfect and that is amazing and that is so good that they can do that. But not everyone can do that. Some yeah. people need to take that come in plastic packaging in order to survive. And we can't beat ourselves up around it so a bit of kindness to yourself get the ball rolling doing something is better than doing nothing just let it go and do you know what it is i think that when we've had guests on the podcast before and we talk about sort of what can you do to be a more ethical business i think that the first thing you said there of just get going just do it like that is such a big thing people spend so much time deliberating over what could i do and they'll produce a report and they'll do research just do just get do something whether it's tiny you know as you say whether it's just little things like changing the type of product you buy into a, a um something wrapped in paper as opposed to plastic and you know people just seem to think that it's a, such a big thing to get going but it's really not like it's just a case of tiny baby steps and one thing that i find and i i've done it with energy in the house we've over the last couple of years we've kind of changed a lot of the 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 light bulbs and stuff that we have like it becomes quite addictive i don't know if you you find this yourself but like you start to sort of you think you see the results and you go oh what else what else can i do you know what i mean it's like it, it, it it's quite addictive i mean it went the other way with us because we got all the the smart bulbs that we can turn off 
um, like on a timer. Um, but then I can control it with one of those Amazon dot things. And then when I realized I could change the color of the kids' room, it just kind of it got out of hand. But uh, <laughs> but but no, it does. It, it get it gets addictive, and I think it's getting people to it's getting people to that point um, where it becomes a sort of a, a, a an addiction where they want to to do more. Um, and I, but I guess you you've you've probably been there your whole life. If if it's been a that's just what you know that you grew up around that. Um, that culture of you know the, the best ingredients and the, you know you, you had the stuff growing around you like and it, so it must that must be quite weird for you to then look at everyone else and kind of go what are you doing like do you know like that like and, and, and it'll certainly make me think more like i mean we got we we've got two dogs so we take the dogs for a walk quite a, quite a bit and you, you do, you look around and you see things growing and you just, you don't pay any attention to it. Um, so hopefully we can, uh, we've, we've inspired people to, to do a bit more foraging. Um, where, where can people find out a little bit more about you, the, the foraging courses that you're doing when you, when, when you get started back up? Uh, so I advertise them both on my Facebook page and on my Instagram page, both of which you can find on by the name that we've been sort of chatting about. So the sweetest tooth on Facebook and the Sweetest Tooth UK on Instagram. Um, but I advertise all the courses and all of the products that I'm making and any sort of spares. So that's another thing. Sorry, just to... No, 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 that. no, that's fine. So something that I will do is that there's a minimum order on certain uh, batches of things. Um, so for instance, for cookies, there's a minimum order of three. Um, let's say I get six or 12 in a batch. The rest of those will end up going up um, on my Instagram stories and spares, and right. other people can then buy those rather than me having leftovers for no reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> it, it, it make it makes sense, and and for anyone that is is on your Instagram, like. Oh, I can't even describe it. Like we had a conversation the other day about this chocolate, right? For any anyone that's listening right now, you need to go out and you need to look on Aisha's Instagram at these bars of chocolate. What did you? What are they called? Is it Zilva? Zilva. Yeah. Zilva. My days. I didn't. Honest. I. I. Me and my wife are, are quite big on chocolate. I thought I'd seen everything until I'd seen the, the Zilva bar. My day, and then the later on in the day when you cracked it in half and you see what's inside, oh! So I'd message the the who was it that you've uh, was it Sean that you've you've collaborated with? Yeah, I'd messaged him and he was like, "Oh, they're coming next week." And honest to God, I actually, like I, I died a bit inside because I can't wait. I, I cannot wait seven days for this. It looks amazing. Um, where can is there like a, a an online uh, store that you have where people can go on and, and 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 buy things or is it just through Instagram? Um, so it's through my Instagram or through my Facebook. Um, okay. at the moment, I'm looking at new partners. But that's all very hush hush. Yet, ah, uh, but say that no more. Very. <laughs> No, so yeah watch this space no fantastic Aisha thank you so much for your time it's been a lot more insightful I'm honest I, I thought I was going to come at you with all these statistics about what the Americans were doing <laughs> but zero but honestly you've educated me and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for you doing that because I think 
I'm going to go downstairs now and talk to my kids about this. And we're probably, I've probably made a hole for myself because we'll probably end up having to go out and go foraging. Um, so I might wait until tomorrow to tell them that I think. Um, but listen, thank you, thank you so much for your time, Aisha. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and we'll let. Uh, Hopefully, you can come back in real life and give you these chocolates and oh, breads and cakes. I'm telling you, have welfare. <laughs> it, it, put it this way: if you had a shop, I would be camping outside the day before that chocolate goes on sale. Honest to God, cannot wait. Cannot wait. We'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Take okay, care. Bye bye. <laughs> well, as you can see at the end of that podcast, I did lose my composure a little bit, but honestly, these Zilwa chocolate bars are well worth checking out. Um, please give Aisha's page on Instagram, which is at the sweetest tooth UK, a follow, uh, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, once again, guys, thank you so much for spending the last sort of half hour with us. Um, it is massively appreciated by me, um, the attention and the support as well that I've had from from everyone who's either listened to the podcast or watched our live videos. Uh, it really is o- overwhelming. Uh, and it means a huge amount Uh, I know I keep saying it but anyone that can leave a a five star review even if it's a four star and you know you're just you're feeling festive or you're feeling extra happy you know give it a five star Uh, it really does allow us to keep uh, reaching a new audience Uh, there's probably going to be some changes with regards podcasts in the future Apple podcasts were pretty much the the leader uh, of the pack so to speak but Spotify are kind of investing a lot of money into podcasts so that may well change Uh, but whatever podcast platform you are on please leave us a review Again, it does help us reach a wider audience. It gets us discovered in some of the the business categories. Um, So yeah, massive, massive thank you guys. Please check out Aisha's page uh, and we'll see you on the next episode. It's going to be a big one.